God, here we go. Here we go on a Thursday from Cavens. Very, very special Thursday from Cavens because we are coming to you live from Gary Cavens' executive office. I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I'll take it. A busy show. Busy show today. In fact, busy couple of days. Uh, I'm not real big. Or I try not to be on 24-hour teases. But on tomorrow's show at 11.03 a.m., set your reminders now. We're going to learn all about collective life and the latest push for the Crimson and Cream Collective with our man, the dude in charge of the Crimson and Cream Collective, Jason Belzer. So tomorrow at 11.05, I'm sorry, I added two more minutes, 11.03 a.m., Bells is going to join us, and we're going to learn everything there is to learn about the latest push by the Crimson and Cream Collective. It's all coming up uh, 24 hours from now. But we start, we're coming in hot today from Cavens. Cavensgroup.com, we're coming in hot as we are joined on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line by head coach K.J. Kindler. Now, we usually do this on Tuesdays. Things got a little hurried. Boy, I I worded that text very weird that I sent you, K.J., and it bothered me, so I'm sorry. But good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? 24 hours from the start of the home season. you got to be pumped up. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, looking forward to being at home finally. <laughs> okay, I just I want to make this clear. I, so uh, we were going back and forth on Tuesday, right? Because you had a meeting. You uh, met with uh, student-athletes. I think there was a, a regular ADs meeting in there. And the text said, hey, is it bad if I want more time with you? And that sounded so awkward. So I'm very sorry for that. But I wanted to be – as soon as I sent that, I was like, that looks very odd. But I, the point is I want to be able to promote up and talk about this team and they finally being home. KJ, is this common – to get your home slate started around this time, do you typically have the the early season three to four trips, or do you like to get going a little bit earlier typically? Honestly, we start very early. So right after the holidays, they have to be back and, and booming, and that mm-hmm. first meet we left on the third. So it, it's early, but we usually are at home uh, a week, you know, probably last weekend we, we would normally be home, but because of some mix-ups in the schedule, which I am solely responsible for, um, <laughs> uh, we ended up at home a little bit later this year. Uh, and there's okay. lots of reasons that, you know, that that tidbit of information is important. Um, we do like to start after students are back because students are a big part of our support and our, our fan base. Um, but we, we also have uh, the away scores in women's gymnastics are weighted more heavily. They're heavily heavier weighted in your qualifying score than a home score is um, due to the bias at home meet. (laughs) But um, that's just how our, that's just how our sport works. However, you know, we, we have really bumped out some good scores on the road, which is important since we had so many early. So it's worked out for us. Definitely. That's awesome. All right. um, That aside, we, we have a goal. We want to see this place packed. We want to get 10,000-plus in there every single home meet. 
KJ, you have juiced up the home schedule. It's going to continue to get spicy for years to come with the uh, move into the SEC. Just, I, I feel like I ask you a lot, and I feel like I ask it the same way, but can you just magnify the difference the fan base can make whenever and, and what it means to this program to have this place packed? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we're very appreciative. Our, our student-athletes thrive on that kind of environment. You know, when we go other places, you know, we just kind of flip the narrative that they're there for us. But we sell out all the arenas we go to. In fact, Denver was sold out last week, and they thanked us for coming because we sold it out. Wow. <laughs> so so it is, um, you know, seeing Oklahoma gymnastics is a very popular thing around the country, and it should be equally as popular here in our hometown. So um, we're looking right now at – at ticket sales around 8,000. I would love to see that place packed on our first uh, home adventure. And so the, the athletes, I can't tell you how they thrive on the energy. We love loud crowds. You know, I know there's this perception you have to be quiet in gymnastics. Absolutely not the case. Denver had some serious chants that were going on while we were competing, let me tell you. And it was so loud in there, and and we love that environment. It's just like any other sporting event; those athletes really uh, feed off the energy in the building. So we're hoping that everybody will come out. You know, it's a small commitment. Six home meets, one of those being the Big Twelve Championship. You could commit yourself to coming to every single one and see this amazing team in person. And it's and I say this. I'm not just saying it because she's one of my favorite people on the planet. But Caitlin Fournier and the marketing department, everything that goes on around the meet, the educational process that's there with the, the videos that explain what. So for noobs like myself that want to make sure, okay, why is this scored like this? How does this go? There's an explanation of it. And it fits in to a nice little 90-minute window, right? I mean, it fits into a perfect window, and it's a fun atmosphere, KG. I, 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 I just can't gush on it enough. Well, you mentioned something. I saw the sports science videos yesterday, and they are the best we have ever had. And, oh, and wow. it's important that our crowd is educated on what's going on and really understand, like, the difficulty of what we're doing. And so these sports science videos kind of dig in. And, and we used an alumni for every, uh, every event this year. And, you know, we have some of the best of the best athletes that have come through NCAA gymnastics. So I was super impressed with those um, and really excited to show those on Friday. But our intro video is pretty hot, too, I would say. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I, I know I it's top secret. <laughs> I usually get a sneak peek, but they've, been, they've, they've kept it on lockdown. So make sure you get there a little bit early so you don't miss that. It's a cool moment whenever the lights go down, they hit the intro video, and the team comes out. Now, when the team comes out, it's the number one team in the country. And uh, I could, I'll just start rolling through. You've had the gymnast of the week just about every week so far in the Big 12. You've had an event specialist of the week, two of the three weeks. You've had the newcomer of the week what uh, uh, a couple of times as well. Just This roster is on fire right now. Let's start with Jordan Bowers. Uh, she was the Big 12 gymnast of the week. Kind of take me through what you've seen from Jordan and how she's been able to excel here early on in the season. Um, I mean, Joe, every single meet has just not – kicked it up a notch so this last meet she was on fire literally like there was no way anyone was throwing water on that girl it was every landing every single routine was impeccable so it was it was really fun to watch 
um, her kind of rise up in that moment. Uh, we have four incredible all-arounders. They're all great. In fact, a different person has won the all-around in every meet we've been in from our team. So that's how competitive it is. It's, um, we're looking at a very, very strong team, but Joe is definitely a leader on the floor. You know, the number one word I use to describe her is fierce. You know, you look at her face in like there is no distraction she is the distraction so uh it's pretty cool to watch what a line there's no distraction she is a distraction you know you told us that these freshmen have a chance to really make an impact and in uh hannah scheibel i think we've seen that so far are you in any way surprised at how quickly she's she's been able to be as impactful as she's become no, not at all. This is the J.O. national champion in the all-around. She was a national champion on beam and vault. Um, so I think this is exactly what we expected of her, um, and she's handling it mentally so well, competing. So she went 9-9 first meet, 9-9-2-5 second, 9-9-5 third. So she's obviously trending in the right direction. However, you know, she is not just a vault specialist. She can do all four events. She's definitely – an all-around contender. Um, it's it's very competitive on our team right now to make the lineup, and so uh, we could see her down the road on other events. Um, and she's certainly training hard to make that happen. Um, but boy, that is we've just been blessed, haven't we, with incredible young talent who has come in right away and been able to compete, and then it seems like they find another level in their second, and then in their third season, you know, health provided. And one of those is Faith Torres, who, I don't know about you, Coach, uh, I feel like that she continues to find another level. What's kind of the latest with Faith and how you feel like she's been launched uh, into this season? Well, last year I emphasized how incredible this young woman was. Um, And she competed two events, three events, sometimes four events last year, um, but not consistently. This year she has, as you just mentioned, kind of, gone to another level definitely on bars definitely on vault her awareness is a little bit better these are the events that are a little bit harder for her she's a she's a true natural on beam and floor like she can do it with her eyes closed blindfolded in her sleep but bars and vault are a little tougher for her she's had to work very hard she's upped her game on bars adding a big relief move which you'll see on friday where she lets go of the bar for it seems like minutes and re-catches it Um, it's very high and dynamic and on vault she's just a little more aware of her landing which is what vault is all about so we're really blessed and it's been really exciting to kind of watch her blossom this year and her confidence definitely seems like it's a notch higher as well to be at 198 and above already about, I mean, listen. You want to be, you want to be there at the start of the season, right? You want to be good all year long. But is 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 this trending how you would like? When you, th- I'm not asking to, to compare Coach Kindler, but just is the path towards a championship? Is this the steps? Is it going faster? Is it not going as quickly as you want in the development? How do you feel about that process towards being uh, a championship ready? You know, we're really kind of on the same plane that we were last season, um, which tells me that's a good sign. Um, there is it is a long season though, and to hit the 198 mark this early um, is something that we've done regularly. And you will see this team, um, you know, go through peaks and valleys. Certainly uh, by design, we definitely um, will will come down a little bit, and and we peak several times during the season. That's just something that 
the staff has worked hard to make sure happens. And so you're going to have those big moments, but you're also going to come down a little bit um, and regroup. And I think that's really important. Um, it, it is difficult. Uh, you've got to keep the flame, you know, the fire hot. And um, everyone has asked me, you know, what do you do? You went against Denver last week. Well, Denver's going to come in um, motivated and fired up like they they didn't want to lose in their own house they're a top 10 team and they have cemented themselves in the top 10 you know for almost a decade now like they're an exceptional program um and and they certainly won't you know lay down when they come to the Lloyd Noble Center after last weekend so I I think you know they're going to kick it up a notch and we're going to have to be even better so I'm just really excited about this team and, and where they're going I I do think we're on the right path uh, I have a question for you off the uh, text line. Uh, Julio wants to know, is it acceptable or even encouraged to boo the opposing team when they come out of the tunnel? <laughs> oh, gosh. Mm. <laughs> I, I can't say that. No. All right. <laughs> no, but, and that's the different thing, right? You'll go on the road. Yeah. And, and I, like, at Alabama last year, I wanted to fight people. Like, I'm watching this on yeah. TV, and I'm like, if I was there – I'm ready to throw hands, but it's it's maybe it shifts when we get in the SEC because we see that and we want to show them. But it just seems as if it's such a sport that's based on what we do and wanting to see other teams have success, not as much as us. But it's not a hey bleep you, I hope you fall because it's about us, right, and not about them. Correct. Yes, okay. when I'm talking about crowd participation, I'm talking in support of our team and you know, chanting for our team and all those things, not necessarily bringing the other team down. I am really proud of the sportsmanship of the Sooner Nation um, in our arena and their ability to to really appreciate the art of the sport. Um, And so it's more about really supporting our athletes and and creating a loud environment that perhaps could distract. (laughs) Good call. Good call. Um, I Just so we're clear, Julio, because Julio won some tickets the other day. Uh, we don't need to be booing whenever we're out there. All right, two more quick ones, and I know That's you're right. busy. I'll let you get out of here. Seeing Danny Seavers back in, um, obviously had a great performance against Denver, getting close to back to 100%. How are you feeling about where Danielle is? Yeah, I think, you know, I had mentioned, I think the end of February is kind of her her target for floor and vault. So that's a good four more weeks. I think um, that's going to give her the time she needs to position herself. You know, when we do put her in, we want her to be as amazing as she always is and don't want to put her in a, a, a poor position. So she's been working really hard in the gym, um, definitely getting there. Like you can see the progress, but she was off her legs for four weeks and um, getting those plyometrics back and all those landing, you know, those heavy landings with um, – you know, gymnastics is, it's not easy to land. You know, you're coming from a very high, high spot in the air, especially on floor. Um, and so she has to, you know, still, still gear up those hamstrings and quads a little bit more. Um, but she's been amazing on bars um, and we'll continue to see her there. So she'll be back. She'll be back. And then finally, may, maybe a little bit more of a philosophical thing, because you brought it up. You want the fire to still be hot, but it is a long season. You want to make sure your athletes are fresh. How do you and, and, and Tom and the crew, how do you guys decide, all right, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to let X athlete have this meet off or not perform in the all-around here? How in-depth are those, I don't want to say debates, but that kind of strategizing when it comes to those decisions? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that come into play when we're doing that. Um, we're definitely going to try to stay the course for the first five meets. Um, I can see around the sixth, seventh meet us um, giving a little rest to some of those all-rounders. Usually you rest the leg events, so you might see an exchange on vault. Definitely won't rest multiple all-rounders in one meet, but um, pick and choose. You know, you can base it off practice. How has their health been in terms of even illness, you know? So there's lots of reasons to kind of give somebody a break, and the, the break on their legs is the biggest one. Bars and beam, they could probably do every day of the week, but it's floor and vault that, that can tax you more. So we're definitely planning on doing that as we come up on our fifth, sixth, seventh meet this year because that's, that's the middle of the road for us. Um, and that's when, you know, if you've been doing all four events every single week, you're going to see some fatigue. They're going to need some reprieve from all of that. So, um, and also the mental part of it, nice to have a break. So we're definitely planning to do that down the road. Let's get loud. Let's have fun on Friday night, KJ. We're so pumped that you guys are back home. Can't wait to get out and support on Friday night, and we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you. That's KJ Kindler. Did I keep her too long, you think, Josh? Was that a little bit too much on the day before the meet? I had questions. So did the people. They had questions, too. How was your night? How was your Wednesday night? It was a it was a very good Wednesday night, and I don't think uh, okay. I don't think you went too long, right? I mean, I think it's good. Okay, I just want to make sure. How, I don't uh, want you, how was I don't your f- night? It was um, it was good. It was good. I fell asleep super early. I didn't have to worry about getting up at four a.m. this morning, so it was nice. It was it was good, but yet on the back end of that, this old man can't he can't party like he used to, Josh. He, when that alarm's going to go off at 4 a.m., I need to be in bed at 9. And I pushed it a little bit late the night before watching, what, the Thunder and the uh, and the Sooners, even though the Sooners game was early. And I got caught up in South Carolina. So then last night, last night, Oklahoma City was taking care of business, so I could kind of snooze a little bit during that. And I'm a big fan of these 6 p.m. starts on the road, Josh. <laughs> big fan of the 6 p.m. starts on the road. So it, it was – Tip it off. Get it over good. with. All right, quick break. Let's uh, let's launch the show, shall we? Thanks to KJ Kindler for joining us. we got tickets we'll be giving away throughout the show, so stay tuned to that. You can find us on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439, on Twitter at Plank Show, at Josh on Rep. Everybody should follow us at KREF Sports. Do it the old-fashioned way. Pick up the phone and give us a call. The Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. We'll launch it next right here on The Ref. We're at Cavens on a Thursday. Though it feels a little, feels a little different. I, uh, there is a, like a, a huge meeting room that Gary has here at Cavens, Josh. It, well, you know, you were here last Tuesday, right? I was. That's right. Uh, and that's typically where we hang. Uh, they've got some sort of either training or meeting going on. So they put us here in Gary's office, which is amazing. I go into Gary's office and I realize just how little I've accomplished in my life whenever I see all the certificates on the wall for the different trainings that he's gone through. Uh, but they do that training for you so they can be uh, aware of ways to protect your home and protect your business. And when emergency strikes, when disaster strikes, uh, they'll be the ones to turn to to clean it up and get you back functional. Cavensgroup.com. I love this tweet, by the way, before we dive into the big news of the day uh, at KREF Sports. 34 days ago, Josh, OU women's hoops 
suffered a 79-70 home loss to Southern, which put the Sooners with a record of 6-5. and five. Now, let me interject one thing here. Uh, Drake was telling me, because that was one of those games where you kind of see it, and you're like, wait, what? Like Southern had never beaten a Power 5 team on the road. Never. And Oklahoma was kind of rolling that game early, and it fell apart. So you lose to Southern. You worry about the future of not just 20, 23, 24, but you worry about the future of the program, right? It's like, oh, no, that's not good. Since then, Josh, OU has won six of the last seven. They're sitting all alone in second place in the Big 12, and they bounced back in a big way with an incredible perform- performance last night against Texas. And I think I think Toby said it best. You know, sometimes you might look back and say, ah, yeah, I got a little, got a little lucky there, or that might have been a little fluky in some wins sometimes on the road. Yeah, team was rolling in and they fumbled through the end zone or we would have won by two touchdowns. Am I right, Josh Elmer? But that wasn't the case last night. I mean, Oklahoma took the lead early. They shot well from behind the three-point line. And that's what happens. That's what happens when your best players play like they're capable of. 19 from Van, 18 from Peyton Verholz. You know, we had Coach on last week, and she talked about Peyton just getting comfortable. And you can see it. And a Texas team that's a a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical only out-rebounded the Sooners by three. Oklahoma protected the basketball, only turned it over nine times. It's a big win, Josh. That's a big win for Ginny Baranchek's crew. Oh, no doubt. Huge. And you think about the conference race with Aoka Lee being out for the next couple of weeks – uh, sidelined with that ankle injury, you you know we can sit here and say tied for second, but they're right there. They got a chance to to go win this this league race. So yep. next week uh, you've got Kansas State coming here. That'll be a big one, but you got to take care of business versus Kansas ahead of time. So yeah, they've they've really they've righted the ship and are playing some good basketball. Well, they're in great shape because their only loss during this stretch, Josh, was the game that I did. So as long as I'm not doing the game against Kansas State, I think they're in good shape. In fact, the only two times that Kansas State has beaten them over the last couple of years, I think it was games that I did. So I'm sorry, Coach Ginny B. Just keep just keep Brian and keep uh, Chad. I'll, I'll do Chad's duties so we can take care of dubs. Uh, speaking of dubs, it's pretty wild to hear and think about the off-season narrative around the addition of Victor Wimbanyama. And I think long-term, Josh, I think he's going to be a stud. I mean, I think he's going to be really, really good. But it wasn't, like, instantaneous for San Antonio. And he's good. Don't get me wrong. And he's fun. I mean, he finished with 24 points last night and had 12 boards. But, my gosh, it's pretty cool to see that other level that Oklahoma City is on right now. When I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Victor Wimbanyama in in OKC, right? But he kind of thought, oh, there's the get. There's the guy everyone everyone has to get. Didn't work out that way in the lottery for OKC. But I'll take this core. You know, you and I sat here and debated for a couple of years. Who's part – is Dort part of this core? Is – and this was even before they, they drafted Jalen Williams, is 
you know, SGA, we kind of knew he was part of that core. Is Pokashevsky going to be part of that core? Now they've got, I think they've got more than a core three, dude. I, and I think there's still maybe some debate about Dort, and it's maybe a little bit unfair to say that on a night where you had just two points, but still in that magical plus-minus world, he was a plus 12. I mean, I don't feel like this is a team that's going anywhere. And not just this year, as long as SGA stays healthy, I don't think they're going anywhere for a while. I think Sam Presti is – I think he did it. I think he set things up to where this squad, we're in good shape for years to come. It's really cool to see. They dominated San Antonio last night. Yeah, dominated them. Got to tip the cap. It was uh, – we sat here and said, I don't know. I don't know about a full-on right. rebuild. Uh, that, that sounds a little scary. And, and yet here he's orchestrated it. And they're really good. They're really good, and they're going to be really good, it appears, for uh, a number of years going forward. What will the final couple of bits of tinkering be to make this a championship roster? Does it happen now at the trade deadline? Are they already there? Right. I mean, are you just in the point where you're just trying to supplement the roster via via the draft and trades now going forward? It's going to be fascinating to watch the next couple of moves, but they've got a bona fide superstar in SGA. They've got, I think, a, a nice Robin in Jalen Williams. Chet Holmgren is getting better by the night. Giddy's right. a nice player. Dort uh, is a good piece in this starting lineup. Cason uh, Wallace is a really nice player for them. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a good team that uh, will continue to get better. Do you know what's incredibly wild? I, I know that I've had my issues with Thunder fans in the past because I don't think that – I think now, you know, 10, 11, 12 years in, people realize that they've started to look around the league. It's, it's, it's getting better. But I don't think people realize that when teams move to cities, like OKC moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City, um, it's, it's not usually that instantaneous that you're good. I mean, this was a, this was a Seattle franchise – that in, let's see, five of its last six seasons didn't make the playoffs whenever they came to OKC. And they are pretty bad that first year, right? I mean, that was a bad team. But they were fun, and they were new, so we were going to go to the game regardless. But to know that the quote-unquote, Josh, rebuild lasted literally like, like two seasons when you were awful, 2020-2021 and 2021-2022, Right? I mean, you still made the playoff. Now, you weren't advancing. They lost in the first round of the Rockets, uh, the famous wave to the Blazers, and then the Jazz. But, I mean, you're not missing out on the playoffs outside of two seasons during this rebuild. That's freaking incredible, man. Look at what, look at what it took the Sixers. Look at what it took the Lakers whenever they went through their non- uh, the stars around Kobe, period. We're like, oh, we'll go get Carlos Boozer and J- who was the, the big guy from Cleveland that they went and got that was just terrible that they paid way too much money to. I don't know. I was a little bit nostalgic, I guess I could say this morning, and almost in awe because they, they, they were out of the mix for like two seasons, and that was it. Well, we thought – the, the way these go, the process, the famous right. process in Philly that you're referencing, that's a five-year thing. Yes. Uh, it's a half-decade deal, and this has been relatively expedited from Oklahoma City. And I think you and I sat here 
and felt, well, you know, there's no guarantees that it's going to work because right. we've seen uh, franchises, not just in the NBA, but in professional sports, mired in a constant rebuild. And yet, uh, hats off, tip of the cap, this has been orchestrated well, and probably the the biggest component to it is that you won the initial trade with the right. Clippers in the sense that you got SGA back. I mean, that that puzzle piece has been so instrumental to all of the rest of the pieces falling in place. Okay, we got a break. The, uh, the Thunder Talk and the uh, quick note on women's hoops has amassed a whole one text on the text line. So we, I, I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears. Everybody calm down. Be facetious. I'm, I'm joking. It hasn't amassed any. All right, 405-651-3439. Josh, win we Timothy Moskov. Thank you, 785. And it wasn't Timothy. It was Timothy. Remember that? Lakers, first signing that Mitch Kupchak made when free agency opened up, Josh, was Timothy Mozgov. Oh, man. And spent a boatload of money on him. And I was like, what is even going on right now? Jim Harbaugh is a Los Angeles Charger. Are you surprised by this at all? Let's talk about it next. I uh, The portal now opens for Michigan players. How How quickly will Michigan move? And how truly kind of worldwide is this search going to be? Is it going to be as deep as something? Like knocking on the door of a Brian Kelly? Or will it be as simple as walking down the hall and talking to Sean Moore? We'll dive into it next and how it could affect Oklahoma. We'll do it next right here on The Ref. Okay. I... This from Jeff from OKC, Josh, off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I don't know why, but it spoke to me. So I want to get your take on it. Welcome to the Plank Show. We're on the road at Cajun's group on a Cajun's emergency response, disaster response group. They've got you covered. If there is an emergency, water extraction, flooding, pipes bursting, getting into even more rain, Maybe the uh, I just made you realize you got roof issues. You got to call Cavens 405-573-3048-247-365. I'm going to read this text and you tell me you tell me what you think. Okay. I don't know how you guys feel. As an OU football fan, I'm happy Harbaugh is gone. As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I don't want him in the division. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that first piece first. Now, for those that aren't familiar, Oklahoma has Michigan on the schedule in 2025. In fact, uh, after this year's Temple, Houston, Tulane, and Maine, OU will play Michigan in Norman in 2025, and they'll travel to the big house in 2026 so on the i guess josh what you could say on the very short side of it on the short sided side of it you would say at the very least you're not having to deal with harbaugh in ann arbor when you go there in 25 or 26 right and think how you want about jim harbaugh the man won a national title feel how you want about how they got there if there was illegalities going on 
Josh, they still won a national title. And they've been really, really good for the last three years. On the short side of it, I like it. And then, you know, I don't – I'll have to ask Parker. I don't know of how many battles OU's had with Michigan on the recruiting trail, right? I, I, I don't know. There's not – Dax Hill is really kind of the only one that jumps to the front of my mind. I'm sure there's other linemen. But I, I, maybe it opens up a few things for some of those guys in the trenches. Maybe in some of those battles it helps you out. Like I said, I don't know how many there are, but when Jeff sent that, just on the, I don't know why, because I felt the same way yesterday, dude, and not just because we're playing Michigan, Oklahoma's playing Michigan in 25 and 26, as weird as it sounds, when I heard Michigan was gone, or Harbaugh was gone from Michigan, I thought, uh, well, that stinks from a content perspective, but I like that for Oklahoma. Does that make sense? Because that's how I felt. It's good, yeah, especially when you mix in the home-and-home home, is right. right here on the horizon, and that'll be year two, year three of a new head coach, and there's no guarantees that the next head coach will go as swimmingly as it went at the end. Keep in mind, it, it took a while for Har- Harbaugh to get Michigan to where they were, obviously as a national champion this season, but before that, the, the two years prior as well as Big Ten champions. I mean, it was – there was a lot of discussion about, is this the right guy at right. Michigan? So who knows if we're in for that again with the Wolverines where it's a, a slow burn to get it back to this point where they're a national champion. On the surface, you lose a national championship coach, and probably everybody to some degree should be doing, uh, should be doing backflips in college football. What do you make of the, of the AFC West side of things? I, you know, I, I probably should feel more that way. But I think it's exciting. I think it's great. It's I do too. Uh, it's going to make the Chargers better. I I fully believe I that so. he will uh, position things to where Herbert is much more competitive. Obviously, they got to get him healthy and keep him healthy. But uh, yeah, I, I think that they've got a very good head coach. But I do think it's exciting. I think it's I I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to eat these words. But I I love it in the AFC West, man. I really do. Do you know what else I love? I love the buzz coming out of Vegas right now. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about Tom Telesco as a GM, Josh. GMs usually get one shot. <laughs> and if you uh, if you fail somewhere else, you usually don't get another opportunity. But all I've had over the last five or six years is people telling me how great the Chargers roster is. Oh, my gosh. But. You know, you know, and the, and I saw a report this morning. The Vikings are the same way. The Raiders, and I guess the Vikings are very aggressive about trying to move up to the top pick. Now, I was listening to my man T.J. Perry, and he's a little bit worried about the. What's the best way to put this, T.J.? If I if I misinterpret your phrasing, I uh, I apologize. But it seemed as if he was a little bit worried about the intestinal fortitude and the mental side of things for Caleb Williams. Seemed seemed to be, TJ. I feel like, Josh Helmer, there's a lot of people that share that same concern. Now, let's remember, it was a fake report that he wanted part ownership of the Bears. Yeah, which, that, that is important. Which Which is still... Is still one of my favorite stories 
that got traction and everyone believed it because it was so believable. <laughs> right? Yeah. How many times have we seen a quarterback coming out and make a just absolutely ludicrous demand? And, I mean, every, no one seemed to have a problem when Eli Manning did it, right? But I, I've reached this point where we don't care. You shouldn't. We don't care. I don't care if you're concerned about his, his, his mental and crying with his mom or whatever. You put me with 13 or whatever he's going to wear in the NFL in silver and black, I think I'll be okay, Josh, especially if Cliff Kingsbury's my offensive coordinator, which is being rumored too. But it's going to be, you know, the Bears, do they – this is getting nfl just real quick. Do the Bears commit to Justin Fields? Or do they say we're going to trade Justin Fields and we're going to go get Caleb Williams? I think – Unless somebody makes you a godfather offer, and I don't even know what that would look like for the top pick, especially if you feel like you've got your franchise quarterback forever and ever. But I, I just I can't imagine the Bears giving up that spot. I can't imagine it. I think you draft Caleb Williams even if you don't want Caleb Williams, if you don't have the offer in tow that you think you deserve for Caleb Williams. I think you draft him and you say, okay, we've got our chess piece, and if anybody wants him, let's talk. One more. Oh, by the way, so I, I think we're in agreement here, right, for our brand-new podcast, West is Best, where we look at the AFC West. Um, we're, we're excited about the potential of Harbaugh in Los Angeles, and we think it's going to be a fun year in the league, right? Absolutely. I, I think he's going to take that franchise. I'm not, I'm not ready to say he's leading them to a Super Bowl because, look, that's tough to say for anybody. But uh, I fully suspect there'll be a player in the AFC with his leadership. And, listen, we got a break. I want you to think about this one during the break. We'll talk about it when we come back. Turnbow and OKC writes, do you expect the same mass exodus into the portal for Michigan as Alabama? Hold on to that. We'll talk about it when we come back. Plank Show live from Cavens on a Thursday right here on The Ref. All right, the question was a good one as we put a wrap on hour one here on The Plank Show live on The Ref. Portal slash roster update. I mean, let's be honest. There's not much going on right now, but there could be. Turnbow asked, do you expect the same mass exodus into the portal for Michigan as Alabama? What do you think, Josh? I don't think to the same degree, no. But there will be movement because, look, it's a coaching change and there's movement. But I say not to the same degree because – Harbaugh, even though he's a national championship winning coach, and I think he's going to do a great job at the Chargers, he's not revered in the college game the way that Nick Saban – I mean, you're talking about like almost a mythical figure stepped aside with Nick Saban, and I think that that mattered to a lot of people involved. I haven't seen anything yet. I think it also depends, Josh, on the timing here. All right, here's – I was thinking about this whenever I saw this news last night. You and I have both, and if you're not in this group, correct me real quick. Uh, well, at least I have. I, I feel like most places, whenever you have the portal open up and you have the coaching change, you want to make a hire pretty quick, right? I mean, what was Alabama's? They wanted to have it within 72 hours. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I take my time. I mean, you're going to have your guys in play that are potential candidates, I don't think I would rush this at all. Semester started. Can't really go anywhere until the spring. 
which that might have been part of the uh, thought process here on waiting to make this announcement. There was one name, though, that had been brought up quite a bit if Harbaugh did indeed leave. That name was Brian Kelly. Um, he he reached out, or I'm sorry, Shea Dixon reached out. Shea covers LSU for On3 Sports. And he got the I'm not going anywhere from Brian Kelly. Now, Brian Kelly did just make a hire for the new offensive coordinator, right? Joe Sloan got promoted to OC. Cortez Hankton is the co-OC. So he did just hire a new offensive coordinator, just hired one, a new defensive coordinator. But at the very at the very least, Brian Kelly seems as if he's going to take my name out your mouth whenever he's talking about this opening, right? Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it would be, I don't want to say totally surprising, but you you kind of just got there in a lot of ways right. to LSU. So it would it would be surprising on that front. But, again, you said it. The academic calendar really helps Michigan here. And some thought that maybe Nick Saban's timing was a little bit strategic because the semester had just started for Alabama. But as we learned, they had, what, an extra seven days? I wonder how this will affect. So far, it's been quiet out of the transfer portal for Michigan. But we'll debate that as the show rolls on. Uh, Speaking of portal updates, we'll dive all in next right here on The Ref.